You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. It's time for the Geeks Pub. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen. Hello, David. Hello. So we've got uh, kind of a loaded show here. We've got uh, the second to last season one bracket, our, our comic book movie fight thing, if you will. We've got yeah, four movies left. The nitty gritty. Yeah, so we've got Captain America, The Winter Soldier against Batman 1989, and then X-Men 2000 against Venom 2018. Whoever wins these will face each other in the next episode to crown our season one champion, and then we do it again. Uh, but beyond that, though, we've got kind of some geeky stuff to talk about, including let's start right here. Um, this was posted three weeks ago, so things change so fast, who knows. But at the time that this was posted, and I haven't heard anything contradictory yet, that basically Marvel is sticking with the King storyline for this go-round of you know Marvel movies. And they're just going to recast Jonathan Major because, as we know, his ass is going to jail. Um, yeah. You know, I, I I don't know how I feel about this. Kang the Conqueror has always been a very strange villain in Marvel Comics. There's been so many different variations of Kang because he's a time traveler. that it's mm-hmm. Even someone who read comics religiously like I did was confused by the character. Because it wasn't the same character, it seemed, every time. And some of it was just lazy writing. Um, in fact, most of it was just lazy writing, to be honest. But Kane himself was never, to me, very threatening. I, I was never like, oh, crap, it's Kane, you know? I was always like, oh, they'll beat him again, because they always do. He didn't have that menacing presence that a Doctor Doom or, you know, a Thanos has. That's that's always the flaw in these super powerful supervillains is that despite the fact that they're supervillains, they get defeated time and time again. Um, and and some of this article kind of talks about this in that they say, oh, you know, Kang is uh, is he's like you say, never comes across as particularly threatening. Uh, and in, in uh, Quantum Mania, <laughs> weedy little Ant Man kicked his butt. Well, not no Ant Man didn't. Ants did. Ants. Yeah. He yeah, he lost but, to but, ants. Yeah, but he he was controlled. The, the ants were controlled by Ant Man. Uh, I think. Well, I think we can give Ant Man the win on that one. I think Ant Man just was the ants asked system. them to do it. I don't think he actually controls the ants. They. Uh, yeah, I know. But nevertheless, um, you know, they had a fight. Um, all right, Ant Man wasn't doing particularly well, but he beat him in the end. And and a win is a win. You got to take a win. Uh, the I mean, there was many problems with Quantum Mania. I actually thought. Jonathan Major's performances, Kang was probably one of the better parts of that movie. Oh, I agree. I just right. think they ended yeah. it wrong. Yeah, but you're right in that if you look at the wider appearances of this character, we've had we had him as he who remains Loki. Um, another great character. Another great character, and uh, and then and then a variant of him as well. Um, and yet, yeah, every time the, the the approach they've taken to him is. To make him interesting, but not particularly threatening. Um, you know, there were moments when you saw how frightening he could be in Quantum Mania, um, and you could tell he was definitely an evil, bad dude. But whether that whether he was big enough to hang a whole arc of movies on is, I, in, to my mind, has always been a question mark. Um, throw in that um, Marvel's inability to 
deliver consistently over the last few years and i think it's a big question mark um you're absolutely right that having lost the actor who's kind of been building this thing up and you know one of the things they're trying to do with kang is trying to say well you know they're all the same person but different um which okay it's fine and you could argue they could argue perhaps that we have not seen the most threatening versions of kang so far uh, and it's building up each one is worse and worse until you see the really terrible guys maybe that was the approach they were going to take but what really undercuts that is if you have to recast the actor because all the people who don't really follow the comics and maybe even don't follow the movies are going to turn up to the next movie and they're going to go who the hell is this guy because <laughs> they're going to think i haven't seen him before and then they're going to hear the name and they're going to think oh was he different before he, I, I mean it's it's that whole multiverse problem again writ large um yep. and i think they should just couple. retire king at this point i think yeah they told yeah, they I had they, two well three two seasons of loki about king although yeah. he kind of took a back seat in the second season um kind of but i mean he was there but it was more focused on loki less fighting yeah. the big bad and then in quantumania he loses so Let's just move on. It, and quite honestly, I know that the whole building up to Thanos thing was, you know, important for Marvel. And, you know, the culmination of that was amazing. You know, two movies that were just phenomenal yeah. made, you know, $3 billion between the two. But you don't have to build up to some great big thing. How about you just well, make some good movies instead? In the same, in some respects, you could argue that having done that once with Thanos, it's a mistake to do it again. I would agree. I, w- I would. Light, I would make that argument. Strikes wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, I'm not yeah. saying that you can't have a big bad. You just don't need to. You got to have the right big bad, and King was never the right big. Bad. Even when they first announced it, the King Dynasty and all that, I was like, yeah, um, because well, he's just th- not scary enough. I think. I think the problem actually is having a big bad. Um, I th- I think it makes these movies formulaic because the third act is always to fight the big bad and find a way to defeat him. Um, so you lose some of the running time on the story to effectively a special effects fest at the end. And they all kind of look the same. So it would be interesting to start seeing Marvel movies where you don't have necessarily a big bad. Maybe the big bad is the... Is the um, you know the, the the environment a catastrophe? Something they have to deal with, something they have to endure, rather than necessarily something they have to punch in the face. Or they lose um, at the end. Yeah, and, and we've seen we've seen that done. I mean, Empire was kind of like that. Empire the strike, the Empire Strikes Back, kind of had that vibe to it, where it was like an unstoppable force, and they were doing their best to uh, fight against it and yeah they didn't really do so well but the problem was... with that analogy though is that it was building up to the big fight at the end of the well, next movie yeah, but, but i i think i think there is something to be said about doing a two movie arc as opposed to an eight movie arc that actually makes the uh, storytelling um op- give you opportunities to do something different well i just listened um, to the history of the marvel universe a book that came out just a few months ago and they they almost completely up to date it, it was released before echo and season two of loki but it was pretty much up to date and one of the problems the reoccurring problems that i would hear that some of the directors and writers had was trying to shoehorn um 
the Marvel Universe stuff into their movie, i.e. Yeah. something like Thor, for instance, in um, Age of Ultron. When he goes off yeah. to the cave and all that, that was a much longer scene and explained more. Because what they left in the movie was kind of stupid. It didn't make any sense at all. It didn't yeah. connect to anything. Yeah, it didn't. It was, and there was it never was a payoff. Down. And Yeah, it never went anywhere because, yep. um, you know, it was it was not directly linked apparently to what actually happened in the movies later on yes and then so wheaton did that movie which of course we're not supposed to talk about wheaton because of the stuff that he did he was such a jerk off but regardless um age of ultron is a better movie than i think most people remember one of the scenes that he fought for and it was still cut down but he really fought for it because he thought it was important in my mind is the best part of the movie and that's the whole farmhouse stuff when they go to Hawkeye's house yeah. and you meet his family. Yeah. And it really, these guys are in costume when they're coming into this, you know, environment that they look kind of silly in. But you completely buy it at this point. You're you're in. Um, yeah. they Marvel wanted to cut that out so they could set more stuff up in the future for the Infinity stuff. Mm-hmm. And Wheaton fought for it. I agree with Wheaton. It's the best part of the movie. And yeah. that's what Marvel needs to focus on. Less of these universe building stuff and more of the actual characters i know that well at least the rumors are sony and, and marvel are kind of in disagreement sony wants spider-man to continue the whole multiverse thing because they want to yeah. bring in you know the characters that they control and they want to further their story which is a colossal failure worse than anything marvel's doing marvel wants to take spider-man back to the streets a more grounded street level movie. And I think that's the way to go with Spider-Man. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, he's for a start, he's done the universe ending stuff now. Mm-hmm. He's done it before. Right. We've and seen him in space. We've seen him in a different, yeah. I mean, leave yeah. him street level. And, and specifically the last movie kind of reset everything. I mean, it would be, it will kind of undermine the entire last movie. Yep. After having every, the entire world forget who even Peter Parker is. Yep. Yeah. For him to suddenly go back to being the Spider-Man he was before. Right. It doesn't make it any would, sense. You know, it doesn't make any sense. And also, it doesn't do the character in the MCU much many favors. Hundred percent. Really, the whole the whole point of the, the whole point of the Spider-Man arc is this, this is a kid, and he's learning every time you know he goes into bat. And he's changing. He's making mistakes, and he's learning from those mistakes. And really, yes, this is the opportunity. I mean, we never got to see him as the street level Spider Man in the MCU because Tony Stark met up with him. That was the first time we saw him. Yeah, and, and he immediately goes him, to Germany and yeah, goes in Germany, gave him gadgets and everything. And it and it was don't get me wrong, it was extremely exciting and refreshing the way he was played. Oh sure, hundred percent in that scene. And in, in, uh, every Civil movie War. he's been in, he was great. And they use yeah. him 100% right. But that includes I, I the end of the last movie when they reset Indeed. the character and brings him yeah. back street level, which is where Peter Parker belongs. And also as well, I think we could afford to see a time gap between the end of the last movie and the next movie. Yeah, Tom, would, Holland's getting, Tom Holland's getting old now. Yes. It, it's not, it's not going to be sustainable for much longer for him to play a teenager. Yeah, I don't think he's a teenager in school in the next he, movie. Uh, he can't be. He, yeah, they they need to have a break and and have him effectively do his stuff at the street level. Yep. Uh, and hone him into the Spider-Man we remember from the comics. Yep. Or uh, even the Spider-Man then, that we remember from you know the first trilogy, if you will. Yeah. 
I, I mean, th- that would, yeah. So the idea of just the idea like, you, of you, it, not not continuation yeah, you, or anything. I mean, Tom Holland is twenty seven now. Yeah. Right. So by the time the next Spider Man movie comes out, he's going to be thirty. Yeah. Yeah. And really, um, that is going to start pushing credi- credibility. Yeah. In terms of. Uh, in, in terms of him. Yeah, in the next in, movie, he's got the crappy apartment. He's got a job. He's single. Yeah, he's, There's yeah, a street-level baddie that he has to contend with. Yeah. You know. Who, who, he, he, who much, much like he kind of did in the, in the first movie towards the end, when he right. lost his suit and everything, is, you know, he's got to rely on his wits and his courage and his his acumen and that sort of thing, but not rely on all the magic AI suits and the uh, special weapons that come exactly. out of nowhere every time. You know, it's got to be... Well, you know what? From, for me, the perfect illustration of that would be the, the kind of Spider-Man we saw in the video games where, you know, yes, he had technology and he had skills and all that, but he, you know, he was seasoned um, and he wasn't intimidated by facing up against Wilson Fisk or some of these other big bad guys, but they were big threats. They weren't, um, you know, they weren't just simple... Oh, it's one person. You take him down. They had armies and they had um, machinations, and he didn't know what was going on and all of that. And that's the sort of movie I want to see. I think because that, it was exciting. I think the next Spider-Man movie, if they kept it street level, where the big bad is built up, we kind of got the start of it in Echo, but in the next Daredevil series too, where it's Kingpin, yeah. because he's the perfect villain for Spider-Man and Daredevil. Yeah, I think that would be great because. Because the the good thing about Kingpin is he's not really the sort of villain you can just punch out, yeah. No. Because he's he's far more complicated than that, and his schemes go on almost without him half the time. Well, if so Spider Man here here's the idea: Spider Man uh, Fisk becomes mayor in Daredevil, and yeah. he passes legislation that outlaws costume vigilantes. Yeah, because. They totally should. I mean, you can't have people running around with superpowers blowing up your neighborhood all the time. And it's very easy to get the public behind the idea of, hey, these guys need to be under control. That's what Civil War initially, by the way, is about. You know, the whole accords and all that. Would you just revisit that idea? But at a city level, we have to have, if we're going to have these superpower people running around, we got to have some kind of regulations. They have to have, there's got to be control here. Um, and that's what—that's the environment that the new Spider-Man movie falls into. So how do you just go punch out the mayor? That doesn't change anything. Yeah, exactly. And you in know, fact, doesn't really doesn't really help your um, argument. No, all. in fact, it would but, do the opposite. Yeah. If if they do go attack him, they're playing right into the kingpin's hand in public perception. So well, that's the movie you the make. Whole, well, this was the whole the whole business with the first Daredevil season, where effectively he couldn't go straight on to kingpin. He had to expose him for what he was exactly to get people to turn against him before he could go then he went and punched him as well but um, but he was only a businessman then so it's easy for the public yeah. to turn against a bad business guy yeah. it's a whole lot harder yeah. to turn someone against a politician i mean well in the real world yeah, we, we've got a politician world, that just got yeah. done saying oh russia should attack any of the allied nato forces if they're not paying their bills i mean yeah. I don't know how that person doesn't immediately get arrested and, and ostracized, yeah. but there's still a large group of people that's like, yeah. I mean, absolutely. So absolutely. you just you just show that kind of insanity in the movie, and that's why Spider-Man or Daredevil or Electro or whoever can't just go after the kingpin. 
so so that's Spider-Man. But yeah, I mean, I, I think you and I would both agree it would be better if they did that for the whole MCU. If stopped making every every single fight they have, you know, world threatening or I agree, or galaxy threatening or universe threatening. Um, One of the no, I mean, best Avenger stories isn't about them saving the world. It's the Masters of Evil attacking Avengers Mansion. And there was an Avenger there, I forget which one it was, and they beat Jarvis half to death. And then the Avengers, one by one, are coming back to the mansion, and the Masters of Evil are kicking their ass. It was a great uh, storyline. For for those who have not read the comics, this was Jarvis who was their real butler, not Jarvis the AI. Yes. (laughs) Because, obviously, MCU people are going, what? How can you? It, it was it was a great Baron Zemo was in charge of the bad guy. It was really a, it really kind of, you thought oh sh- they might actually pull this off. Um, I think something like that would work really well, but they haven't yep. established a group of bad guys yet that's really formidable. Can Marvel steal the Legion of Doom idea? That'd be good. Uh, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, look, this is the problem: is that is that. What one of the themes we're seeing is is corporate interests have kind of overridden things in the MCU. You talk about what Sony want to do, um, and and the problem you have with Sony is that if you don't if you don't, if you don't work with them, then they're kind of working against you, and then you've got to undo everything they've done. If you then want to use those characters in your own things, because I'm sure at some point Marvel must be thinking. Um, at some point, we've got to get an opportunity to wrest that control back off. Sony. Oh, of course, that's that's high on their priority yeah, list, know. but it's not going to be easy to do. No, it's um, not going to be easy. All but, they but have the to have is, is a whole bunch more Spider Verse movies, if you will, failing. But here's the thing: the live action stuff that they've done, other than Venom, and I know Venom's high up on our board here, but if that was an MCU film, I think it would have been not as good. If it was yeah, set in the MCU, Ven- Ven- Venom succeeded because everybody, uh, we all had low expectations. Yep, you know, and it, and it exceeded those. This, this Madam Web movie's coming out. I think this next week or two weeks from now is going to be a massive failure. It's going to be one of the lowest rated ones. It's going to nobody's going to go see it in the movie theaters. It's a movie that no one cares about, and the character is stupid to begin with. Um, I know they're retooling it for the movies, but it's not going to work. Um, the only one that even gives me a glimmer of hope, and I'm putting, by the way, the animated stuff to the side because that is brilliant. Um, yeah. I'm putting that to the side. Craven looks pretty good. The trailer that I saw for Craven the Hunter actually looked like it would be fairly good. I mean, they're giving him powers, which is kind of dumb, but it looks pretty good. Yeah, but again, it's a you know just like Madam Web, it's a it's a it's a deep cut character. That a lot of people won't have heard of. No, you know, um, and and I think this is this is part of the problem. Obviously, the MCU was built on. It started to be built on Iron Man, who at the time was a second-rate character, he almost third-rate. Yeah, he was not central to the Marvel universe. It was the the big ones, you know. Um, but I think that's part of Marvel's problem: is that their um, heroes are. Some of their heroes are very well known, but many of their villains are not. And I think the if you there's one thing that DC really has going for it is that everyone knows who their villains are as well as their uh, as well as their heroes. And their villains are almost as iconic as their heroes. But only and, Batman's and, villains. Well, 
yeah, yeah I, I, but I, I would argue that um, uh, many of Superman's heroes are more well known, and I, I think who people want to which see ones? Oh, uh, come on, the the uh, Lex Luthor, oh, business guy, Lex, scary. Well, and they've done him to yeah. death, and he's super lame they in have, every movie. They have, they have done him to death, but nevertheless, people know who he is. I think sometimes people want to come and see a. Uh, one of these movies where they kind of understand what's going on and the problem with a with somebody you've never heard of is that the movie then has to spend some time um giving you the backstory and they often do a lousy um poorly written very quickly rushed job and you don't care about the villain if you don't care about the villain then you don't care about the battle between them because you know the good guy's probably going to win right yeah i think that's why thanos was such a good villain they built him up slowly um, yeah. Infinity War was mostly about Thanos, and yeah. he wins at the end. He he succeeds, yeah. and you feel the loss when the hero when the people start disappearing. You, it's a it's it's massive when when Peter Parker disappears right in Iron Man's hands. Yeah, yeah. you completely buy it. You know when he says, "I don't want to go." Yeah, that's it, powerful stuff. Absolutely, and uh, you know they. Uh, well, we said it before. I don't think they can pull that off again, frankly. And and I think spending, they are literally spending billions of dollars on these plays. Yeah. Um, well, here's and, our uh, other it's story. It's a lot. It's a lot of money to waste if you if you screw it up. Yeah. Here's another story. Uh, Disney CEO Bob Iger says Marvel Studio has lost focus, and Disney will learn uh, lean more into sequels and franchises. But here's the funny thing. He says Marvel lost their focus, right? So they're going to do more sequels now. Except the entire slate of Marvel movies that they just got done with, that they lost their focus, were all sequels. Every one of them. Yeah. So, wait a minute. Do they lose their focus in their... So you're going to lean on... I'm confused. I don't get it. Yeah. It, well, it doesn't. I, when, look, when he says they, he's losing, we know people in the know 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 what Iger likes and doesn't like. He hates TV. Yeah. Right. So when he says Marvel lost their focus, he say he's saying they spent too much money on TV shows. Yeah. Right. They, he's not he's not talking about the movies, and he thinks. No, I think he is somewhat if, because the well, the well, movies well, maybe, that have come maybe, out have done I, dismal. Yeah, but I suspect he's thinking if they stop doing all the TV stuff. And concentrated on the movies. The movies would be better and they would be more successful. Yeah. I suspect that's what his argument is. I think he's thinking, oh, the MCU, it's got cinematic in the name. It's a movie, it's a movie franchise. It's not a TV franchise. Cut it out, taking all our uh, properties and actors and putting them on the TV. Yeah. Yeah. And you do movies. And, um, you know, and uh, what does he say in this statement? Well, he's, he says he's excited to see them bring do the mandalorian and grogu movie he's basically saying anything that's successful as a tv i want to see it in the movie screen yeah and he doesn't care about the tv stuff he and we also know he's not a big fan of disney plus he doesn't think streaming is a good idea yeah so he wants to pivot the company back to doing movies and movies alone now i don't know whether that's a good idea or a bad idea i don't think i don't think it's as simple as that i think the difficulty with um, Marvel generally has yes there has been some dilution of talent but also I just think they've been accepting some really crappy decisions yes um, you know they've also yes they've lost the plot on the 
on the expanding the universe this shoehorning business is absolutely right because back in the beginning <laughs> I mean, let's face it the first first few movies the only world building you got was in the post credit scenes it yes. wasn't in the movies themselves correct yeah which is why so they work so inter- well yeah it didn't interfere with the movie yeah but now you've got to start bringing all these characters in they've got to interact and you've got to write for that and you've got people writing for characters they don't understand uh you've got people who signed up to do one type of movie and then they've been told they've got to do this other thing as well yeah um and of course you've got lots of different people writing the same characters it's no wonder that it's uh, you get a lot of variants yeah i mean this is this is something i've always struggled with with the uh the u.s system of developing media because here in the uk we you know um particularly on television we tend to have one person or a group of people a small group of people like a pair or something write a whole series of something and it won't be 24 episodes because nobody could do that but it'll be eight episodes or something like that and the same writers write it all and that i think you get a better result that way i think the problem is if you ha- choose different writers with every project and those you're choosing those writers not on whether you think they can do a good job but you're looking at the cv of the thing they did before and whether you like that or not yeah you end up with these lousy results yeah and they've done the same to be said for that. well well it, at least the here in america they finally started to anyways embrace the idea of the showrunner where this person yeah. is in charge of the series he's in charge of the writers he's in charge of the directors um, you know, they're hired guns to, for a greater or lesser degree, depending on the series, um, to the showrunner. Uh, I mean, look at Breaking Bad. Yeah. That was done because of the showrunner. They didn't put any pressure on how many episodes or how many seasons or anything like that. He had the idea, this is how long it's going to take. We're going to end it here. And the studio backed him. That person's in charge. This is the show he's making. The British system is very similar. Um, yeah, but, but those but type of here, things work well. But here at Marvel, they don't do that. They put the well, directors in charge, and when they when they do, I mean, I think you could argue that James Gunn was kind of the showrunner for Guardians of the Galaxy. He was, but yeah. because it really wasn't connected to the rest of the MCU, exactly. Yeah, they but, just let him do his no, own thing. There's no reason you couldn't do that with with a lot more of the marvel characters you could say you know what this guy is the thor guy all things thor go through him yep right and he would be in charge of thor's journey through the mcu right and if you had if you did that with some of these big characters yeah and you chose quality people who could work together you'd end up with a much more coherent thing one of the problems we've got is that of course this was all uh, imagined by kevin feige and but he's a really busy guy now and the, you I, i'm sure you could draw a line between how much extra things he has on his plate versus the drop in quality in the mcu generally just because he hasn't got enough time to intervene in the right places and and cause things to happen that he thinks should happen you know he's not and, only uh, in charge of the mcu but all marvel including the comics exactly. and that's yeah, too much for exactly. any one person he should of only be in is. charge of what you see live on the screen and any of the TV stuff should be street-level type of heroes simply from a budgetary constraint. Uh, Daredevil doesn't need a thousand special effects. It, it just doesn't. Yep. And it's more grounded. Now, if you want Spider-Man to show up in an episode, fine. That's okay. As long as the hero is consistent. 
Yeah, and and also as well, the special effects thing I, I think is is overplayed because I suspect a lot of the reasons we've had problems with special effects in Marvel is be, is it go, again goes back to the writing because these shows have been poorly conceived. They've all had to be reshot and substantially reshot, and that has put a crunch on the special, effect and special well, effects. Well, that and they're just they're relying on special effects instead of practical well, effects to do so there much are, of it. There are plenty of tv shows in today's industry with the cgi power we have today where you can do very good quality special effects yeah but see that's the problem Um, david there's only so many people who are masters at that craft that you can have working on this stuff and if you have every single thing using special effects you don't have enough people to do the work yeah but but that's but then it comes down to good writing and um, a coherent view and really good production design. So you don't have to rely on the special effects. That's what I'm saying. The story. You that's want. exactly yeah. what I was saying. But what I'm saying is 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 that doesn't mean you can't have um, big budget special effects in TV shows because you can. You can, you but just it, have to, I would you just rather have to they use don't. It right. I, I would rather they don't because it's spreading the talent too thin and. TV shows a little bit more fluid when it comes to that stuff. I would say mm-hmm. if you have a big special effect, ask yourself why it's necessary. And if it's not necessary, skip it or do it more practically. You know, yeah. I, a daredevil fight with bullseye does not need to be well, any yeah, special yeah, effects. Dare, but daredevil's a poor example because he's not a his powers don't need special effects. Right, Spider-Man TV of- show is a problem because. Every time Spider-Man's yeah. on screen, it has to be pretty much special effects, whether you're CGI, getting rid yeah. of... And well, not necessarily CGI, but you do have... Because special effects isn't just CGI. It is also removing wires when yeah, the customer's that, that swinging is, through. But that, that is basically CGI. You know, all of that... Anytime you've got a computer process the scene to do something to it, whether it's putting something in or taking something out... Well, a lot of that is rotoscope, which is manual. Um, but... I just think that they need more focus at Marvel. They they need Kevin Feige to look at the movies only. They need someone else that's going to only look at the TV stuff. And well, and we I, don't need I, six uh, you know seasons of different shows on Disney Plus from Marvel. Two would be enough. Two every well, year. I, unfortunately, the executives who run Disney Plus they want as much content as possible. Well, that's why they, I said you put someone in more, charge. Yeah. The more um, brand name it has on it, the better they think it is because they want to juice their subscription numbers. But maybe, you know, quality will win out over quantity. I mean, but the, so so here's a question. Are we really agreeing with Iger or not on this? I am and I am not. I think the idea of relying on sequels is stupid um, unless yep. it's warranted and you've got a really good story to tell. Because if you don't, yeah. don't do a sequel just to do a sequel. Uh, hey, this was successful, so we're immediately going to greenlit uh, part two. But it's not necessary. Yeah. I, I I don't really think the world is crying out for Frozen 3. No, nobody or, is. Um, some of the other things he's talking Mona about. Mona 2. Nobody cares. Well, 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 you see, Moana 2 again. I mean, this, this illustrates Iger. That was developed as a TV series. Right. And he's turned around and he said, no, I want a movie. Right. So they've... They're recutting what they've done into a movie. Right, which now, is terrible. Well, yeah. It, it, I mean, Iger seems to be living in the past where he thinks everyone comes to the movie theatre. I think part of Marvel's problem is that post-pandemic, people just don't go to the movie theatres like they did. No, I agree they with you. It's for, changed. They do, yeah. They do for the big stuff that really gets the zeitgeist, Barbie being a very good example, 
Yeah, that really captures people's imagination. They turn down to the theatres. Well, but, but did they? You can't. I, I don't think I, it, they well, did for Barbie. If Barbie would have been released in a vacuum, I don't think it would have done a quarter of the business that it did. What happened with Barbie uh, and Oppenheimer was one of those because the same thing with that movie too. People was not going to go to the movie theaters to see this. What happened was you had these two polar opposite movies come out the same weekend. And this thing on social media blew up that we're going to go see both yeah. of these movies. That's why they were successful, not because of the quality of the movie. Although I still haven't seen Oppenheimer, but Barbie was pretty good. I would have not have ever gone to the theater to see it. Um, but it was it became a cultural thing to go see both of these movies yeah, back to back. Well, so so I understand that's the narrative. I've that's never more than the narrative. That, I saw well, that no, so I, much on social media, dude. It's not just well, a narrative. Yeah, but. But but that's that's anecdotal. That's not real. I would be interested if somebody did a study to find out how many people were actually motivated by Barbenheimer to go and see either of those movies. I don't know whether they've actually got the statistics to prove that, or whether it's well. That's my that's, that's my happen- point. They, it became a thing. That's why people were going to see. Well, both yeah, of them. but you, you're you're saying that you think that we we don't have any evidence of that apart. No, from I said I think. Was, <laughs> yeah, that's, you missed that yeah, part but, of it. I, that's what I and, think and happened. I, I don't I'm think saying, no. I'm I don't think anybody I, wanted to go see either one of these movies in the numbers that they drew, but they did because of this cultural thing that happened. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I think I, that I, cultural I, thing that happened was a really cool thing. I think that was fun. It I was think neat. It's cool too. Yeah, uh, it's I not a negative. I, but let's not Mike, pretend that no. Barbie was going to break box office records on her own. I don't, I don't think I, she would have. I, I think. Well, I, I I think that's that's the that's where you need the data to see. Um, so. Uh, but but I, going back to the wider point, I just don't think these big budget Marvel movies, uh, particularly with the drop in quality, have the cinematic draw they used to have. Oh, I agree. I think they kind of they kind of topped themselves out with um, with the Thanos saga. Yep. And after that, people have gone, okay, well that's as good as it's going to get. Anything else is going to be not as good, and they don't turn out to see the movies. Uh, particularly with the with the pandemic effect of less people wants to go to the movie theater. But then again, and then we've got then we got the outlier of the Spider Verse, which the second one was huge in the theaters. I mean, it was massive. Yeah, it it's a cartoon, but, and everyone completely I, accepted this is a different Spider Man. It's not connected but, to but, the other ones at all. But that that goes to show that that you can draw people out for good quality that's what it is but right what there. you can't do is keep churning out hundreds and hundreds of movies or tens of movies all right let's put it in the right right magnitude tens and tens of movies that are generally quite mediocre and uh, expect all of them to break a billion dollars that is and and they're budgeted in a way that ex- that it requires them to make a billion dollars to break even yeah and that's just ridiculous and I think we've seen. I mean, I, I've mentioned this movie before, but um, uh, Godzilla minus one, which was a fabulous movie, by far the best monsterverse movie. Well, it's not really monsterverse, but by far the best uh, kaiju movie I've seen in a long time, and it was produced for a fraction of a Marvel budget. Yep. Right, and it did not have crappy-looking special effects in it. You did not look at the mon- the monster wrecking Tokyo and think, "Well, that looks a bit fake." Yeah, because they spent their money wisely. Yeah, very, very judicious. And that's what and it just Marvel a, used to do when Kevin Feige, yeah. Feige was only in charge of the MCU. I, th- 
I think what they need to do is they need to put a budget cap on these movies. Yeah. And they need to say, you need to figure out how to de- deliver them for well under $100 million. Yep. Right? And that way, when they've been, when, when, the, if they, if they are then good quality, yeah, then they, they're going to make enough money to make the studio a profit. But if you budgeted it at over $200 million plus promotion, but pushes you up to $350 million, which means the thing's got to make a billion dollars just to break even. Well, that's just bad business. And that's nothing to do with TV or movie or whatever. It's just you know turning out media mediocre expensive product and i think that's really the nub of the mcu problem at the moment did you see that christopher nolan said casting robert downey jr was a historical movement a moment in in movie business but can you imagine them doing something like that today well you know we we all forget right robert downey jr everyone thought his career was over they thought he'd imploded his own career. He pretty much basically, had. Yeah, but basically he's, he did the same thing that, um, what's the name, the guy plays The Flash has done. Yep. He basically had, had drunk himself into, um, uh, drunk and drugged himself into a, a situation where nobody would employ him because he wasn't reliable. He that People knew he could deliver great performances, but they couldn't rely on him to even turn up to set, Yep. right? And, and he was hard to work with, and he demanded too much money for what it was. You know what? And, and yeah, he, w- he was regarded as a risk. And yet the MCU, Kevin Feige said, this is the guy we want to play, Tony Stark. And it was perfect casting. John Favreau you know actually what? was the one that pushed it. Right. Yeah, well, between the pair of them, and yep. let's face it, John, John, and, John Favreau and, and um, Robert Downey Jr. clearly have an extremely good relationship. Well, because yeah. of this... Um, because of this yeah but but the thing is is that um that wouldn't happen today because because the suits would not the suits would go what with 350 million dollars we're spending on this and you want to you want to um hire a a washed up has been no yeah and and it wouldn't happen yeah and And it was um, it was that casting is what made the mcu more than anything else well yeah you like iron man because of him that's not and not only that the same guy is the guy who beats Thanos. Yes. Right? The guy right from that cr- that uh, crappy third-rate hero at the beginning becomes the guy who effectively leads the MCU and kills Thanos, sacrifices himself doing it, and leaves a whole massive hole in it, in yep. the entire thing. Not not Captain America. Not um, Thor. Thor. Yeah. Not <laughs> no. Hulk. Not Doctor not Strange. It wasn't magic. Yeah. It wasn't Captain it, Marvel. It was... It was it, and let's face it, when we say Tony Stark, we're talking about Robert Downey Jr. Yep. Yeah, because he, I, just in the same way that in that first movie at the end, he goes, I am Iron Man. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark. Yep. And I say that he's Tony Stark, not Iron Man, because it's a performance of Tony Stark that delivers what what that gives you. 100%. Because let's face it, when he's Iron Man, that's CGI and him with his face in, in, a, in a glass box. Yep. Right? But it's actually, and when it, when he's when he's delivering those lines as Iron Man, yeah, that's just moving the action along, and the action is CGI. But it's his performance as Tony Stark that makes the character. Yes, and not, it's the performance not, not of Tony Stark that you you believe what Iron Man's doing with his voice and talking and stuff and, as Iron and Man. And here's here's the thing: we need to get back to the non-superhero part of these characters. One hundred percent. The reason we 100%. want to come and see them. Yep. Yeah, and 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 I th- and. You know that really is what we've lost because now they are just. This um, is why Daredevil and Netflix you know. work so well. All three seasons, 
This is why that yep. season of The Punisher worked so well. This is why Jessica Jones worked so well. It was the the civilian, if you will, not the yeah. superhero. We cared about these people, you know. Um, yeah, so before we get to our, like, go ahead. I was just going to say it's like the. Uh, it is a parallel to the DC side because in the DC side. They, they've never focused on the... They, uh, nobody really cares. Bruce Wayne is the deepest one, and nobody really cares about Bruce Wayne either. No. They care about how much of Batman is Bruce Wayne. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, and uh, and it's... Whereas uh, the Marvel characters have always been about the person behind the mask, not the person in front of the mask. Well, with... Batman's a good example, though. It's not that Bruce Wayne is Batman. It's that Batman is Bruce Wayne. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you yeah. you spent a lot of money on a uh, Atari thing. I didn't. I I didn't play full price for this. Well, I hope not. Because um, <laughs> you know what? Yeah. So oh, this I is the Atari, At- Atari Couchcade. Um, Couchcade. This is from Arcade One Up. Yeah. Who are the guys who do those uh, shrunken um, arcade cabinets that you can buy in Walmart? But these are all the games um, that you have to use a spinner or a rollerball to play. Is, this is what attracted me to this. So, so uh, what this is, uh, the Couchcade, uh, as its as its name suggests, is designed to be used in a couch. It is effectively a little arcade emulator that plugs into via HDMI to your TV, and then wireless. It then comes with a wireless controller, and the wireless controller even has a a cushion on the bottom for putting on your lap. The wireless controller is the round about the width of a small arcade cabinet, and it has the um, uh, three arcade, th- five arcade buttons, but it also has a trackball and a spinner. Uh, and this is the Atari. They, they, I think they do a different version of this, but this is the Atari version. So it comes with ten Atari arcade games, um, and they are mostly games that capitalise on on the particular controls. And what attracted me to this is because, yeah, you can get these games, emulate them all you want, but they're really the same without without the controllers. So you get Asteroids and Asteroids Deluxe. Okay, fine. You can use those with buttons. But you get Centipede and Millipede, which both use a trackball on the original arcade cabinet. Uh, and they're much better with a trackball than they are because the idea behind those games is you, you, you swivel, you've got a small play for the bomb, but you can really move quickly around that because you can spin the trackball. Missile Command, again, came with a trackball. Doesn't really play in the same way moving a joystick. You need to be able to rapidly get to parts of the screen. Tempest, where you use the spinner to move around the outside of the tube. It, you can play it with buttons, it's just not the same. Yeah. Just not the same, yeah. Then we've got some smaller ones. Um, Major Havoc, um, written and created by our uh, friend of the show, Owen Rubin. Um, a Lunar Lander, which, okay, so that had a, the original arcade thing of that had a big throttle controller on it. They don't reproduce that here it's just buttons so okay crystal castles which um is kind of like a 3d pac-man style game yep. i remember it being quite big in the arcades i never really played it but that also played with the trackball um and then gravitar which is actually one of my favorite games ever um doesn't need special controls for it it's just a button game it's a bit like a mix of um of uh, asteroids and um scramble maybe you kind of you you kind of use asteroids controls to move around, but then when you get near these planets, then as the name implies, they're subject to gravity, and you have to be able to do stuff in a gra- gravity field using a thruster. And so this thing is wireless too. 
Yeah, it's wireless. It's wireless to the box. So you sit. The idea is you sit on the couch, you plug it into your TV, uh, turn it on, and then you've got these ten arcade games with the original controllers. Now, a lot of these are very twitchy, especially like Tempest and Missile yeah. Command. Is there any kind of a delay or? Uh, so, the trackball is not. It's not fantastic. It's certainly nowhere near as good as the original arcade game. Yeah, of course. And I suspect that is a wireless lag problem. Yeah, that's what Tempest I'm worried is about. No, Tempest is no problem. Um, uh, it is. It feels like you're directly connected to the spinner. So Tempest is fine. As I said, the uh, I, I've played it. I've only had time to play it a little bit. But the, the trackball, certainly the first time I played it, I thought, oh, this is not great. And then it seemed to get a bit better. So I suspect there might be a kind of a Bluetooth interference thing going on here one of the downsides of this unfortunately is that the company makes it arcade one up and don't seem to have updated it at all since it came out came out um a couple years ago came out uh, three years uh, ago yeah well uh, 20, yeah, 2021 like yeah um, so how much did you pay for this because online it would retail for 179 yeah i i wouldn't have paid that i paid i think i paid about 80 pounds for it so that's yeah, not too bad dollars yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, and and in fact, people was. I mean, he, here it sells for about 150, 160 new, if you can find it uh, pounds. And I wouldn't have paid that for it. So oh. you know, I thought, I thought, I thought. Did you get the travel bag? It, yeah, it all comes. It, it, it actually that is just the bottom of the cushion. It's not actually a bag. Ah, okay. Yeah. So it's a, and you can take the cushion off if you want to play it, play it on a desk. But um, you know, it's it, it is something I I admire the fact they're doing something a bit different, and it, it does really seem to be well thought out, even if it's not necessarily perfectly executed. Look, one of the problems with Arcade One Up is that um, anybody who's played the constantly uh, the full side arcades know that you know they're built to a price. Yes. Um, and uh, and that sometimes affects the quality. And obviously, you remember the original arcade games. Uh, and they were built to be very, very reactive. And so the quality of the controls in all of RK1UP's stuff sometimes takes a bit of a beating. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I don't get me wrong. I think I think it would have been great if they'd have included a wire for this as well, uh, so you would get no lag. Um, that would have been perfect. But obviously it doesn't really fit with the concept they had of, you know, you sat on the couch. Right. Um, and, and also as well, you know, it, it, it's... Because it's uh, effectively sat in your lap, it's very much designed to allow you to play two players. So you just swap the controls, the control deck over between different people. So thumbs up or thumbs down? I would say thumbs up, but not as good as I hoped it would be. Yeah. Um, I'm certainly not disappointed with it. I'm pleased with it, and I love, I love all of these games uh, except for maybe Crystal Castle, which I've never really played. But I love all the rest of them. So. it's nice to, the emulation is really good um so it's nice to play the actual and so many times nowadays you buy these retro things and they're not the original arcade games they are ports you know they're the nes right. versions or the master systems so the mega drive versions or something like that. this is the actual arcade game so i applaud from them for that um you know it, it for me it's 50 years of atari this year i thought it, i love these games it would be a nice little thing to have um and i'm I, yeah i'm pleased with it but it, I, I wish it could have been a little bit better. Yeah, well, that's kind of the case with a lot of technology nowadays. Let's uh, wrap up this show with our um, competition that we've got, our comic book movie competition. We're down to four movies, 
and we got to figure out which two are going to battle it out on the next episode, David. So our first one is Captain America, the Winter Soldier against uh, 1989's Batman. Of course, the one with Michael Keaton and Tim Burton and Jack Nicholson. All-star cast, really. Um, But you can say the same thing with Captain America now. When that movie came out, it really wasn't an all-star cast, but kind of was. I mean, Robert Redford's in that movie, for God's sakes. Robert Redford is the big bad. Yeah. Kind of. Um, I, I so I, I've given this a little bit of thought, and ultimately I came to the conclusion that much as I love Tim Burton's Batman, and we waxed at length about how great that movie was the last time we considered it in a bracket competition, um, the problem it faces is that somebody came along years later and they did Batman better. They did Batman great, a lot better. Yeah, and and I think for that reason it can't possibly win. Well, Captain, which Captain America is the Winter Soldier is, as we said before, an amazing film. It if it's you took Captain America those, out of it, seriously, if you took Captain America yeah. out of it, and everything remains the same, there's this big government organization that's targeting, supposedly targeting terrorists, and they have these big flying ships, and the sky is like this isn't going to fly. You get a lot of the same movie without Captain America. You really do. Yeah, but but that's what's great about it to me, is that they actually layer... Because remember, this, this this came out... It was after the Avengers, but this was the first, like, um, our post-Avengers Captain America story. Yeah. Uh, and they layer who Captain America is and his backstory over that already very good thread. Does he even wear his it, mask in this? I don't think he does. I can't remember any scenes with him wearing his mask. I, I, think, I, think, I think the... the climactic scene where he's he's putting the chips into the uh into the um into the battle carriers to bring them down or change the targeting he's, i don't think so he's fully he no he is he's fully suited up and he go remember he goes and steals his original suit from the museum yes that's right because he doesn't have access to his actual suit um, which by the way the museum so, yeah. suit is way better than the one he wore. i hated the captain america's suit in the avengers i thought it was awful the one from yeah. the first avenger was way better yeah yeah. So and, uh, I think we're both on the same thing here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Captain America wins this just because um, John, uh, Christopher Nolan just redid Batman. And, and really, that is the iconic Batman. As as wonderful as, as uh, Michael Keaton is and as great as the Tim Burton legacy was when he started that off. And, and you know, I don't want to dismiss it, but, you know, we're really coming down to the best of the best here. And I think I'd, I'd give it to Captain America because uh, of it's a better movie. Batman. Yeah, you could pick this movie up at any point and just sit there and just uh, excuse the pun, marvel at how good it is. Yeah. The acting, yeah. the chemistry between characters, the Falcon and Cap. I mean, yeah, and and this was this was delivered to us by the Russo brothers who went on to do the Infinity War song. Yeah, they're, this is where they absolutely chop, yeah, they nailed it. Yeah, absolutely nailed it. And it's a mini Avengers movie. I mean, Black Widow's in it, yeah. the Falcons in it. Yeah. I mean. And and let's be honest, up until this movie, no one really cared about Black Widow. Not really. This movie gave her character. It gave her uh, a personality. You know, it was really yeah, well done. Yeah, because before that, she was just kind of generic spy. Yes, and uh, badass and generic just, spy. Yeah. I mean, look her yeah. her intro into the in what was it Iron Man two. 
Oh, she had that red hair. It was so bad looking. Um, you didn't really buy that she was a super badass. You did when the Avengers came out, that scene where she's tied up in the chair and she gets a phone call. Iconic yeah. scene. It's so good. And she completely yeah. mops the floor with these guys who supposedly have her, you know, in their grasp. Yeah. Um, but in her fear when she goes to meet Bruce Banner, that was, you completely buy it. But it's this movie that her personality really comes out. And yeah. it's because of this movie that you care she dies. And, um, um, what's the last one? Not Endgame. Infinity War. Endgame. She dies in that movie and you care because of this movie. This is the movie that gave her that scene. Um, our next one, so we both agree Captain America moves on. Yeah. No, no question. This one I think is pretty easy too. Um, the 2000, the reboot or the first movie of the X-Men, which has yeah. problems. Don't get me wrong. And it doesn't really hold up today as it did then. Uh, against 2018's Venom, which we both agree for what it is. I mean, it, it was a really difficult job that Sony had to do to divorce Venom from Spider-Man. So here's this yep. bad guy who's kind of an anti-hero in these movies that has no connection to Spider-Man, but for some reason looks just freaking like Spider-Man. Um, and Tom Hardy makes the movie. Without him, yeah. it, it's a it's a complete flop. But here's the thing for me: we are we are making excuses for how good this movie uh, exceeded our expectations, mm-hmm. right? You d- that is not that is not a a winning movie. No. You say, well, you know, despite all of the things it had had against it, it kind of turned out pretty good. Yeah, that is not the sort of movie that can win a bracket at this level. No, not at and, this level. Not against one of the as, most iconic movies in the yeah, superhero universe. Yeah, much as as I said, I don't particularly care for the two thousand X Men movie that much. Um, it's to me, it's a it's a better movie than Venom is, even though I enjoy Venom, and I probably enjoy Venom more than I enjoy, enjoy X Men. 2000 i would have to go with x-men on this one well then i don't know if we even need to really bother to wait to another episode (laughs) to go to the championship so let's do it right now we've got captain america the winter soldier against the x-men 2000 and as much as i still like the (laughs) x-men i really do i i I actually watched part of this movie after our last time we talked about it um there's some stuff that really holds up and we cannot discount the fact that Sir Ian Kellen is a, he's such a good actor, and he's he just he's such a good bad guy. He really is. The plot is kind of yeah. stupid. He's going to steal this character and use her to amplify his powers to do this, and he's going to make everybody mutants. It's kind of stupid, um, and the yeah. climatic scene is just bad. Um, yeah. But this is where Hugh Jackman's Wolverine comes in, and is there a Absolutely. better casting than Hugh Jackman as Wolverine? And let's face it, every scene that Hugh Jackman is on the screen as Wolverine um, is amazing. Even when he's surrounded by terrible, terrible performances. Yes. Such as that from Halle Berry as Storm. Yep. Which has to go down. Is one of the worst. Well, you know, let's face it, Halle Halle Berry is two for two because she also was the leading Catwoman, which was also awful. Awful. And I think she's just not suit i'm I'm not gonna say she's a bad actress the the woman has won oscars no she is really good there's no question about that but she she can't do superhero no she She just doesn't she doesn't doesn't get it well maybe she can she just hasn't had any good roles um maybe you know it it just didn't work here she is she's just appalling in this she is um yeah 
And, you know, some of the other guys are okay. I you know, I told you I didn't like James... Um, Martin, Madsen. Mars, Marsden. Yes. Uh, uh, in, in this either. Um, and Jean and Green. Kind of. Jean Green doesn't yeah, really Fam- work that Fam- good. Famke Jansen doesn't work because she's too old. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's 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 got its problems. And, and yeah, I as you say, the plot is weak. I think a lot of the action sequences don't work too well. Um, What's a better casting? Because I let's be honest, you and I can't imagine anybody else as Captain America. Not real, not that version yeah. of Captain America as Chris Evans. Chris Evans, look, he had some decent roles before he was Johnny Storm in the Fantastic Four, terrible movie. Um, but you completely buy him as Captain America, as Steve Rogers, yeah. a man I'm out really, of time. I, I, Who's I a think, better casting, one- him or Hugh Jackman as Wolverine? I, I got to say Wolverine. Yeah, he's maybe. done it a lot. I mean, he's he's going to do this next movie, and it's what thirty four years now. Well, yeah, uh, no, twenty four years. Twenty four years. This was two thousand. Yeah. so this is twenty, uh, and he's filmed it already. So you know, yeah. Look, don't get me wrong, but I think, to be honest with you, I think in uh, what what when did uh, what what year was the first Captain America movie? Twenty sixteen. Twenty. Was it was it that that recent? Yeah. Anyway, whenever it was, if 20 years after that they asked Chris Evans to reprise the role of Captain America, A, I think he'd do it, and B, I think he'd do it incredibly well, yep. even with the age. I agree. Yeah. Hugh Jackman has has basically done the same thing. It's like, you know, he when he's when he's doing Wolverine, unless he's playing Wolverine as an older guy, which he, he did do. <laughs> um, Look, Logan is he, a brilliant movie. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, is it is that having done that, showing a, like a you know a beat up old Logan who's yeah. near the end of his life, um, he's now gone back and he, he's not going to be like that in Deadpool three. I guarantee you. No. And uh, the the fact that this guy as an actor can do the work to convincingly portray Hugh Jackman character. is nothing like Wolverine. No. No, he's a he's a lovey. He's a yeah. song and dance guy. Yeah. That's his first love. Yes. Yeah. And here he's he is doing Wolverine. Yeah. I mean, when they he, cast him, everybody was like, "Really, Hugh Jackman? Yeah. Are you kidding you me?" You know, yeah. That the Greatest Showman. That's his real, more much more his persona. One hundred percent. Yeah, but the thing is, is I have although to say he was good in Real of, Steel. Yeah, I I haven't seen that one. That's the boxing robot. Yeah, it's way better yeah. than you think it is, dude. Right, I'm sure it is. I'll take I'll take your word on it. No, you should um, watch it. But yeah, I will do. But um, yeah, but Chris Evans as well. I mean, you talked about the fact he played Johnny Storm. Yeah, right. You you put those two performances side Nothing by alike. side. You would think they're not the same person. Yeah. In fact, I remember seeing Chris Evans in um, uh, what was what's the one with the uh, knives where, out? Where it, no, when they're in the future and they're on the rail. On the oh train. yeah, snow pincer. Snow Snowpiercer. Now, I watched I watched the whole of Snowpiercer, right, and got to the and I thought the performance of the lead actor in it was was brilliant, but I didn't I didn't realise it was Chris Evans yeah. when he had a beard on. But nevertheless, I mean, the guy is just he's like a chameleon. He yeah. really is. And I would, having watched that terrible Fantastic Four pair of movies, I would not have put the guy who played Johnny Storm as capable of doing that. No. You know, um, and yet, yeah, absolutely, he does. And, you know, he really... But I think that the thing for both of them is that both um, Hugh Jackman and uh, Chris Evans are able to make you believe these ridiculously char- ridiculously characters are real people. But they've made they these ridiculous characters iconic. They're real, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I think and, Captain uh, America, the Winter Soldier, would have a hard time against uh, Logan. I don't think it has yes. a hard time against the ensemble X Men. No. So I, 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 I agree. I think, I think, yeah, great as the X Men was, um, as I say, I don't really like it that much. But it has far too many flaws for it to be able to be. It does. The Winter, the Winter Soldier, which is pretty much a perfect movie. I, I think that when it comes to superhero movies. Um, it's one of the very best. Is it the best? I don't know. It's the best in season one of our bracket. We'll start another one the next time. And uh, we're going to do at least three more of these so we can kind of get to, and maybe they're not all movies. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but we're going to go and try to crown our ultimate champion. And Captain America the Winter Soldier is going to be uh, in that bracket because it has won season one, David. It defeated Aquaman, Deadpool, which was not easy because we both love Deadpool. Yeah. Uh, It beat Batman and it beat X-Men 2000. So Uh, I tell you, as this goes on, it's going to get harder and harder because it's going to be choose your favorite child situation. I know it's it's going to be difficult when we get to the contest of champions, if you will, which is an old Marvel series, uh, comic series. Um, It'll be interesting. It will definitely be interesting. So, David, I'm going to wrap this show up now. We would love to get feedback from you guys. It's the show at geekspubpodcast.com. You can always follow us on um, Facebook, but it's under our sister show, which is Tech Fan, which David and I will be doing next week. David, I will see you then. See you then.